So good morning to what's hopefully going to be my audience for this new podcast. And the first thing I want to do is ask your forgiveness for how I sound. Obviously, it's very breathless, and that is not on purpose, and not at all how it was meant to be. This podcast was supposed to begin a few weeks ago. I'm No Drama Mama, and the name of the podcast is I Want My Mommy, and I chose that theme for several reasons. I began preparing by writing some scripts, and I wanted to launch before the end of January, but something came up. So this first podcast is going to be the story behind what happened, and a little segue into a different subject that still, I think, relates to the I Want My Mommy theme in many ways. Thank you for bearing with me. So, I started to develop these symptoms that were quite uncomfortable. And in a COVID environment, I began to suspect that that could possibly be what was happening to me. I had severe headaches, severe body aches, extreme fatigue. I had trouble sleeping. I had trouble breathing. That progressively got worse to where I couldn't really take any kind of a deep breath in without it really causing pain and discomfort. I became dehydrated. It was hard for me to get out of bed just to go to the bathroom. So, I began to get worried, of course, and in the meantime, the rest of my family also came down with COVID. My grown daughter, living at home, was not as, not impacted as greatly as my husband and I. (coughs) Excuse me. But, nonetheless, she wasn't feeling well either. She began to worry about us as she saw our slow decline and suggested that we get ready to be taken to the emergency room, which, of course, we both fought. We were hoping to just continue to recuperate at home until we began to feel better. But that wasn't going to happen. It became clear quite soon. I had a situation where I no longer felt like I was getting adequate air into my lungs and I was very dizzy and very weak and thought that I could be in trouble. So I told her to go ahead and call 911, which she did. This was on, I believe, the 26th of January. Luckily, the ambulance responded quickly and I was driven to one of the local hospitals in our area brought into the emergency room and given some emergency antibiotics and steroids and various medications and monitoring. I was there for several hours before a doctor came and decided that I should be admitted to the hospital because there was no way I had the strength to return home and they needed to do further 
evaluations. So <clears throat> they brought me to a room on that evening. I had an IV in each arm. My heart monitor hooked up. And they began to come in as they do in hospitals periodically to take vital signs. And one of the vital signs they track closely when you have COVID is your pulse oximeter to see how your oxygen saturation in your blood is measuring. Now, for a normal person in good health, it's usually going to be in the high 90s, close to 100. For someone suffering with COVID, apparently it's quite usual and common for it to go down to the very low 90s. So, throughout my first night there, as it became harder and harder for me to breathe, to the point where I was literally terrified because I felt that I did not have enough air going into my lungs, which I discovered shortly after that was because I had viral pneumonia. So the liquid in my lungs was preventing me from getting the right amount of air. But anyway, they told me when I complained that I felt like I was possibly going to stop breathing, that my saturation level for oxygen was normal for a COVID patient. And not to worry. <laughs> it's pretty impossible to not worry when you can't breathe. <sighs> so that wasn't a very effective response, of course, and I, I also felt it was hardly compassionate. <sighs> but uh, that is what happened. So at one point I found myself begging one of the nurses who came into the room to please administer some oxygen to me. She said she didn't have the power to do that. Only the doctor could do that. So I asked her to check with the doctor, all along trying to advocate for myself when I could barely get any air into my lungs. It was one of the most challenging things I've ever been through in my life. As you can imagine. So, I went through the night like that, and the next morning, I started to cry when the nurse came in and she would not give me any oxygen and continued to tell me that because I was still in the low 90s, I was normal for a COVID patient. Because I was crying at this point and begging for air. She said, I asked her why the doctor wouldn't help me. And she said that this doctor was not a specialist in the kind of medicine that's needed when you have a disease like COVID. So I would need a IC doctor or an infectious, not IC, ID, infectious disease doctor <clears throat> to give the approval to get on an antiviral agent 
and minister oxygen, which of course I thought would be, would be the natural response to my infectious disease. <clears throat> so I told her that I needed them to fire my my hospitalist doctor and assign me immediately to an ID doctor and get me started in the proper regimen. So she did, and my regular doctor came into the room and asked me not to fire him. At this point, I had become hypoxic, and my levels dropped below the 90s into the 80s, and I was in real danger. So the doctor told me he had conferred with an infectious disease doctor, and the order would be given to get my... my remdesivir started, which is the antiviral agent to help clear up the viral pneumonia. And they put me on oxygen within a few minutes. And finally, I felt like I was not going to suffocate. I can't even begin to tell you what a horrifying ordeal something like that is. Now, in the meantime, when you're hospitalized with COVID, of course, you're in complete isolation other than the medical people. You don't have family that can visit you. I did have my phone with me, but as weak as I was, I couldn't begin to text or communicate with anyone until I had gotten some more air into my lungs. So while I was going through the worst of it, I was indeed suffering alone. Anyway, taking those first steps was a great help. And when I could breathe with the help of the oxygen the next day, I started to communicate with my family, reach out to them, and found out that my husband had taken a turn for the worse at home and was on his way by ambulance to the same hospital that morning. The tw of the uh, 27th, I guess. So, there we were both in the hospital with the same condition. His doctor, the one that was assigned to him, was an infectious disease doctor, and he was immediately put on the antiviral and the oxygen. It turned out he had two blood clots, one in his leg and one in his lung. So they were treating him for that. They were giving me preventative medication for that as well. And both our ordeals began as we stayed day after day after day in the hospital receiving treatments. I received a total of 10 remdesivir treatments and at that point, I began to feel my strength gradually start to come back, but not at all in leaps and bounds like I had hoped for. It was still very difficult for me to have any kind of ambulatory motion. I had to use a little bedside commode that they put right next to your bed. I couldn't make it from the bed to the bathroom in the room. I had to usually get help just to do that. 
it was hard just to lift my head off the pillow. Thankfully, of course, the hospital beds can be electronically moved so you can be in a more like a sitting position for getting your meals and such. So, this went on for quite a while. Luckily, the technology we have, having my phone in the hospital, <clears throat> meant that as my lung gradually cleared and getting me closer to the point where I could return home, that the long drawn out ordeal was at least, you know, able to be filled with some communication, meaningful communication between myself and my friends and my loved ones. So I put out quite a few messages and updates and other people that I talked to along the way assisted with doing those things in little circles of family members, friends, church groups, Facebook friends, things like that, which was a great help indeed to know that you have people responding all over the place, people you've known throughout your life, some that you keep in touch with more closely than others, that once they find out, they they rally and they do prayer groups and they they try to give you encouraging thoughts and they light candles for you and they check in with you daily and they send things to the hospital like quickies <laughs> which is amazing once you start to get rehydrated and nutrition you start to want just some simple comforts like some homemade cookies and I had people nearby who were delivering such things you would not even think that you would need like hygiene items that sort of thing it was so very thoughtful and so extremely helpful when you rushed into a hospital you don't really come prepared and you find out there's a lot of things you you really need the hygiene part is really rough. You know, we we Americans are pretty clean people. You know, most of us shower daily, or at least every other day, wash our hair. You know, keep our oral hygiene up. And when you're in a hospital bed and you can't bathe or shower, and you're relying on just a few baby wipes somebody drops off for you to keep your body as clean as possible, you can feel pretty disgusting as the days go by. And I was there for 12 days. So you can imagine just how yucky it got. <coughs> I was relieved the night before last when they told me they would send me home with some supplemental oxygen having completed my viral medication course and the fact that my lungs had cleared enough that they weren't worried anymore as long as I had the oxygen and a walker so I could ambulate around my home and my grown daughter here to take care of me while I get my strength back they, they felt okay about sending me back home one of the things that they have done in the hospitals they've made a sort of a makeshift COVID ward where they had to go in and replace some of the windows with wooden panels and have a gigantic 
tube that looks sort of like a, uh, you know, a dryer tube or something going out of the window and a, and a huge, like, plastic suitcase-looking fan that I guess they're trying to create some sort of a negative pressure with uh, to pull all the airborne pathogens out of the room, and the fan is immensely loud. So sleeping in the hospital not only is challenging because of the fact that they wake you up to take blood, <coughs> and they wake you up to take vitals, <coughs> But there's always some light in your face that they they can't turn off because it's for safety. For people coming and going in the room and, and you can't hear. I mean, well, you can hear the blasting of the fan, which makes it difficult to communicate with people when they are trying to talk to you through masks. And so, if you can just imagine one of the most uncomfortable environments there, there can be over the course of nearly two weeks. Well, that's my recent story. Not a fun one. And uh, as I mentioned before, the theme, I want my mommy. <laughs> well, when you go through something like I just described, there's a lot of, I want my mommy. <laughs> times that come up for you, even though I'm not only a mommy, but a grandmother of nearly 58 years old. That really never changes when it comes to the fundamentals in life and the times when we find ourselves in extreme need. So that's how this ties in. And now I want to tell you how grateful I am for what happened on my, upon my return home. Thank you for continuing to bear with me. I know it's hard to listen to someone who has such shortness of breath while they're speaking. And believe me, this is not how I normally sound. And when I get to the point where I'm healthy again, I will pick up and do this podcast as it was originally meant to be. And I hope that you will follow me and that you will get something positive from it. So, on Sunday, the day before yesterday, February 7th, I was told that I would be released, but they had to bring equipment to the house so I would have that in-home oxygen machine that I needed. And so my insurance company was working with the delivery source, the medical delivery source for that. And we live in kind of a remote area, so it took most of the day to get all of that arranged and my daughter had to be here at the house so once it was delivered someone would be here to take it in and watch them get it set up and explain its use (coughs) so so she was here to do that but they didn't deliver it until after five o'clock in the evening so I was waiting eagerly of course Once they had that done, she put a pillow and blanket in the car and my slippers because when I got in the ambulance and left, I had nothing but socks on my feet. I didn't have a coat or anything like that. So she drove down to the hospital and she drove to the emergency room doors and they wheeled me out to her in a wheelchair after they removed all the apparatus and IVs and 
heart monitor and oxygen I was using. And they sent me home with a, a walker, a portable oxygen tank. So if I do have to go anywhere, I have a small amount that I can take with me. I can't imagine going anywhere at this point. It's going to probably be weeks before I'll have any kind of strength to leave the house. But nonetheless, I will be prepared. So we took the 40-minute drive home in her car. And she pulled up as close as she could to the walkway that leads up onto our front porch and to the front doors. And she got my walker out went and unlocked the front door, took an office chair that I have that's on wheels, brought it to the front door of the living room, helped me with the walker till I could get to the doors and over the threshold, sat me on the chair and wheeled me down the hall into my bedroom. I crawled up into the bed and she opened the back bedroom door where she had let my two miniature pinchers stay until I had gotten settled. And they came in and climbed all over me. And I was so grateful to see them because they're my little snuggled bunnies. And I missed them so much and they didn't know what was happening. I was in the hospital, so it was a nice reunion. <clears throat> and then after we had time to do our appropriate reconnecting and snuggling, I was so eager to get clean. There was no way I could stand in a shower and wash myself or I couldn't get in or out of the, the tub that's in the main bathroom. So, this is what she did for me. <laughs> she got a, a beach chair because we didn't have a medical plastic chair you can place in a shower until yesterday. She took the beach chair and she put it inside the shower and she put washcloths under the feet so it wouldn't slip. She got the water running and she changed into her bathing suit. She got in the shower with me. She helped me undress and used the walker to get over to the shower and get seated. She took my shampoo and she washed my hair. And then she helped me put some nice conditioner in it. <clears throat> she washed my back and got my loofah soaked up and handed it to me so I could do the rest of my washing while she kept the warm water running on me. She let me get thoroughly clean and feeling human again and helped me out of the shower and dried me off and got me clean underwear and clean pajamas and moisturized my skin and got me dressed helped me get back over to the bed and get tucked in she brought me medicine well she had to go to the pharmacy to get some of it but some of it was over the counter stuff <coughs> She made me my dinner. She sat with me and talked with me. It reminded me how much I was loved and cared for. She helped me communicate with my husband 
to give him all the reassurances about what happened when we got home and to give him hope that he would be close behind and on his way back home as well. <clears throat> I was finally home in my environment, back where I had longed to be for such a long time, and being cared for with such extreme love. Um, I'm going to wrap this up now, but I felt so compelled to share this story with you, and I hope that you got something from it of value. And I hope with all my heart, to the depths of my soul, that if you or someone you know or love are suffering with COVID <clears throat> or any other debilitating illness for that matter, or they are at the mercy of people to care for them and do the right things and help them live and help them breathe. <sighs> I hope that everything will be okay and will turn out well. Because we've lost so many people to this. And it truly is a horrible thing. It's worldwide. <coughs> it's an anguishable time. We all need our mommies. No matter what form those mommies come in, that is what I want for you. That is my hope and my deepest prayer for you. That you'll have the mommy that you need when you need her. Thank you for listening. Until we meet again.